And did you know that this podcast is an independent production? That's right. The Eric Norcross podcast is an indie podcast. And because of that, we depend on listeners like you to help support the show. The best way to become a supporter is to become a patron. Patreon is a membership platform that allows creators to develop a more sustainable source of financial support for their projects. My Patreon supports this podcast. If you find this podcast worthwhile, please consider becoming a patron by heading over to the Patreon link in the description. That's patreon.com slash Eric Norcross. Again, patreon.com slash Eric Norcross, and the link will be in the description. Thank you, and on with the show. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Before we begin, I wanted to let you know that this podcast has a Patreon. Patreon is a membership platform that allows creators to develop a more sustainable source of financial support for their projects. My Patreon supports this podcast. If you find this podcast worthwhile, please consider becoming a patron by heading over to the Patreon link in the description. Thank you, and on with the show. You know, I'm a secret rapper, oh. too. All right. I don't tell people that. I love, I used to, man, I, I love that. But it's like, you know, I don't have the skill for that, you know. I got to focus on one part of my craft because I suck at everything else. I feel like in my brain, my bars are dope. And then when <laughs> I record them on my phone, it's yep. white bread garbage oh, shit. Yeah. No, the same thing because I, I do it in front of my wife. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna rap, and she's and then I wait for her reaction. She's always like, no words. She's like, no. <laughs> not happening. Like, okay. <laughs> she goes, no, no. I'm like, all right, back to drawing board. But I, I, I do it every every month just to shake her up. So, but I, I don't think I'll ever. That's not my. I don't think that's my wheelhouse. I'm not there. Yeah. I uh, sometimes I'll have jan record record me while i'm driving oh i got this great verse yeah and then i'll do it and send it privately via social media and the only person who seems to like it is one of my cousins yeah yeah he's into it man he knows art i'm sure it's good you should put it on youtube spiritually it's, it's on point the yeah, execution yeah. of it, though, is definitely not my strong suit. I know. So things we love, we love it, but we just can't do it. Yeah. yeah. I accept it. I accept it. Yeah. Yeah. The same here. So. So you're you're a uh, you're a hustler, man. Yeah. Well, thank That's you. That's why you're I, on I, here. I try to be. You're, you're so making you. moves. You're making moves. Yeah. Though. Thank you. I, I just, it's taking me, you know. 20, 20 plus years to get this far, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's what you know for for the acting game. It's what it takes. It takes uh, a lot of dedication, a lot of hours. Like last night, two a.m., I was doing an audition. So, uh, it never sleeps twenty four seven. That's what a lot of people don't get is 
Yeah. You just got to keep doing it. You know, I I, I once heard that uh, what's his name Ed Burns who did uh, yeah. the sun, the ninety Sundance movie um, yeah. Brothers McMullen said that he gave himself until the age of 35, and he, if he didn't make progress by the age of 35, he was going to stop. And I'm like, that yes. doesn't make any goddamn sense to me no, whatsoever. No, not at all, man. I, I, I basically, you know, I started in 2001, right? Fresh out of college, went to L.A., wasted I wasted 10 years of my life just fucking around. Like, I don't know. Like, you know, I'm out of Hollywood. I'm going to make it. I didn't do shit. It was terrible. So uh, the the girl I was dating at the time, she's like, you know, I got to offer to go back to Atlanta to, to live, you know? And I was like, okay, well, I'm pretty much done with acting. I was like, oh, that sucks. And I had, at that time, 2011, um, 10 years later, I had no idea that Atlanta was, was booming. Right. I had, I was like, I recording was in progress. I, I had um, no idea that it was actually booming. So what I did, um, I was like, all right, I'll, I'll go back with you. We'll move to Atlanta, you know, leave LA behind. Like I said, 10 years of like, I don't know, just personal training and nothing. He was drinking plenty of beer. Um, went back there, and for some reason, I was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, she had a job. I was like, okay, I'm going to you know, obviously look for a job to, to help support myself. But I happened to see this backstage at that time. I was like, I saw this little industrial, like, oh, car company, we're looking for an actor to come in and talk about the cars. I'm like, well, shit, you know, you need something, right? So I was like, I, saw, I applied for that, and then, you know, I did a little, I did that time. I had no idea what a self tape was. Right. I was like, that's new. I'm like, okay. So they're like, we need you to take these lines. And I was like, Oh God. So I used the, I used the cell phone. Uh, she held it for me. Uh, I guess the black, like a, you know, blank wall, just recording my audition. And uh, somehow I got lucky and I got that. So from that point, I, I used that footage, that job to get an agent. And then like 10 years later, you know, here I am smoking small. You know, again, I'm not like famous. But my goal is to be like most actors, just working, right? Just be a working actor. If you can support yourself, in my mind, you made it. So uh, that helped me get an agent at that time. And, and then from there, I moved, you know, to Virginia where I'm at now. But uh, I've just been... Like you said, I've been been beating the streets and trying to trying to make it work. So, how often do you get do you get up to New York? Ooh, so I have her. You know, I use my wife's family to to work as a local. So I get up there every probably every month. You know, I booked the show oh, there. Wow. Yeah, I booked the show there a month and a half ago. It's coming be coming out from History Channel, Empires of Excess, and then I did a movie called Pan American with Eric Roberts in it. So, but I get up there, you, you know, as much. I, I that's my big market now because I'm you know within driving distance. What's called a modified local. So. Uh, anything that you can drive to within 500 miles, that's that's what you do. You know, like yeah. <laughs> back when I was in L.A. when I started, it was all in the room. But now, you know, if you can work local or, or modified local. That's that's what you do. But, yeah, it's changed a lot. But you know, I get as soon as I can. I love to go to New York because that's where it's at. That's what's happening. I consider Maine to D.C. local. Like right. That to me is just, right? yeah. easy drive. Yeah. It's all like Route 95 all the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the scenic view? Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you, uh, you... You showed me your whiteboard earlier. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this track. is my progress report. This is So basically, 
since 2019, I became an actor that uh, I want to say supporting myself, which is, you know, I live in a very cheap, low rent area. So it's not hard to support yourself here. But so um, you probably can't see the jobs I have. But what I do, I track everything. So, for example, on the left hand side is how many auditions I get per month. And then adjacent to that, I have like, you know, do you book how many jobs that I book, basically. And then if you go across, it's just like how many jobs that I've actually filmed. So nice. it's just a way to keep track and let me let myself know that I hey, you know what, it's it's working for you. Uh, you're you're doing something. So yeah, and that's the thing that when we met, and yeah. just for the sake of educating the audience on the backstory, you submitted to something I was casting, um, which yep. didn't work out because uh, the pandemic. <laughs> um, but we kept in touch. And and one of the things I noticed about you is, man, you're a hustler. Well, you're just you, working you. it. And that's the yeah. key that so many people don't get. It's the drive. The, the, yeah, the people starting out. And that's why we started out with, you know, talking about that is because yeah. it really just takes doing, 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 no matter what. Just keep going, keep going, keep going. I mean, I'm 40. You're 46. Yep. Uh, neither of us are by far a list. <laughs> I'm more like a C list. Yeah. And I'm like a Y list filmmaker. <laughs> like, I'm just uh, trying. Basically, my <laughs> job, my job essentially is being a day player. Yeah. That's and it's the hardest job in the acting world. And any actors watching this is going to tell you the same thing. You just you just audition like crazy. You go to go for a day day role and a day play role, and then you just go to the next job. So you never really get time to settle into a big show, right? As a character, you're always switching sides. Get book the role if you're fortunate. Next job. So that's the hardest thing about it. But you, you just can't. Like I said, you know what? I get four auditions in one day. You, you just do them that day if you can, because the next day the same thing. You just yeah. keep hustling. You just never let it get behind. Basically, how fast are you? So let's say you get a request for a videotape yeah. or a self-tape. How fast are you turning that around whenever you're getting that I mean, request? this is going to sound crazy, but I do it within 24 hours. Because nice. I'm fortunate my wife is the reader, right? A lot of guys, a lot of girls don't have, like, readers on the other side. They have to call in. It's very difficult. Or go to someone that's 20 bucks for, for an hour to, to read with them, basically, yeah. and videotape. So, yeah, fortunately, I have that. So I do my best because this is all I do. So 24 hours, get it in. That's That's... You know, I'm fortunate enough to have a couple agents, and that was one of my appeal is I don't have another job. This is, okay, so this guy's not going to be working somewhere else. He can at least get his audition in fast enough, and if he books it, he can go hit it and get the jobs. Do you think that um, that's part of why you work? I think so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm not saying I'm the most talented guy out there at all, but I'm saying it's just the availability. Yeah. And that's luck, right? Because um, I live in a certain area that's cheap, and my wife's a classical pianist, and, you know, I, it just it all works out. She's just a artistic Let me tell you, you know? one thing I've realized is talent has very little to do with success. No. <laughs> it's availability it. and yep. having the luck of being in the right place at the right time among the right yep. people. Yeah, uh, sure. It, what what you just said though reminded me of this Night Court episode. Do you remember that show Night Court? Oh, I feel yeah. like you're old yeah. enough to remember Night yeah, Court. I, well, believe me, yeah, um, I got the gray hair. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
somebody had asked the judge, and I, I might be misremembering this. I haven't watched it since I was a yeah. kid, but I remember somebody asking the judge, how on earth did a goofball like him become a judge? <laughs> oh, and yeah, he said that the call came in on a Sunday. All of the, fir- the, the, preview- all of the candidates they would have preferred were in the Hamptons or wherever. Yep. And he answered the phone. It was as simple as he was there to answer the phone. That's how he got the job. And that's all the, the impression I'm getting from you is yeah. if you're there to answer the phone, you're more likely to get the job. So there's no question because that's a lot of it. It's like that's the number one thing as an agent. They're working hard. They're hustling to get the, the, the right clients submitted, their packages. And all of a sudden, oh, I, yeah, I booked a job. They're like, oh, I'll do the other shit, but you're not available to do it, right? So it's a lot of that. And what's funny is I, I have another agent in the Midwest. And it's for a commercial coming out soon. It's for a lottery commercial. And I wasn't the number one choice. I was runner up. So I found out. This was a couple of weeks ago. And so the guy that had booked the role couldn't do it for some reason. I don't know what it was. And then they called me on a Monday. I'm watching Monday Night Football. And I'm like, hey, can you be here on Tuesday for a fitting? Because this happened. I'm like, sure. And that's it. I mean, it, but obviously – you know what? Not not everybody can do that. They have a regular job, but I mean that that opens the doors for me to be able to just do whatever I want to do in that business. To always be there, always be available, and that's like you said, that's that's a lot of it. What? How old were you when when you finally left LA? Oof. Okay, so I went there. I was thirty five. I left LA because I went to LA when I was twenty five. Just. I, I took the long route in college. I didn't graduate until I was 25. So, uh, and I left, you know, since I left Virginia, Radford University, I moved straight to LA and then uh, was 10 years out there. So, yeah, like I said, I, you know, I, I really had no intention of staying in. I just had to find something well, as soon as I got there, like to make a little bit of money. And that's what appealed me to that industrial. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, and then I found out through the agent I got, Within a month of being there, I was like, oh my God, dude, Atlanta's booming. And this is, and then I did it, my first audition for her, and I still didn't have a tripod, right? Because, you know, when I'm in LA, you just go to the room, you read, you're out, you don't tape your stuff. And um, so I did that. And then the first, her first advice to me is like, you know, number one thing is you need to get a tripod because the, the video was like, shh, shaky. But, you know, honestly, at 35, most people are looking for, I don't want to say a real job, but uh, they give up on their dreams. And I just, you know, really, I, I thought I was at that point, but I just, I knew that that's something I could probably book and get back into and just to make some money at the time. And it, and it opened it up. I mean, and I haven't looked back, you know, and I was, like I said, once I came back to my hometown in Virginia, I was able to just do this since 2019 full time. I've been fortunate. And I can't say there's been, you know, there's luck, availability, so many I mean, it's not mirror-based. This whole thing with acting, it's not, you know, you can't like, oh, yeah, we're just going to work hard and get in. No, there's too many elements. No, at all. It's like there's so many, does he have the right look? Uh, What's going on here? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's impossible. I mean, I don't, you know. I mean, working hard is sort of the baseline obvious thing everybody should be doing anyway. Yeah. Um, Regardless of what you're trying to do with your life. but none of that other stuff will matter if you're not working hard. So you might get lucky and meet the person who's casting. But if you haven't been working on your craft, if you haven't been doing things, other yeah. things, like yeah. all the pieces have to kind of fall in, 
into the right place. And it, it takes a, an enormous mental stamina to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. It, Even at this point for me right now, you know, I, I'm thinking to myself, you know what, this year I'm looking at my board and I, I filmed 10 parts, but I probably booked around 15. And that's great, right? But I still feel this sense of like, man, I'm not doing enough. Because I'm at, you know, I'm telling my wife this, I'm at a certain level, right? But I keep booking things on the same level. How do I make that next leap? Yeah. And that's the whole thing. So, yeah, again, I'm just tra- trying to secure myself as a working actor. Being famous or doing this and making a lot of money, I don't know. That never should be the goal. That's just that's that, yeah. going to be great, right? That never but, should be the goal. Yeah. Um, I just, I love, it's changed, but it's changed for me because out of college, I'm like, oh, God, I'd love to be famous. And then a few years later, it's like, oh, I want to make a bunch of money. But now I do it for me. It's, it is the craft, right? It's funny how that changes because it becomes like this is my my release. This is my outlet. You know, this is making art. I don't want to say heals me, but it, it allows me to be me. Yeah. And nowhere else can I do that. Well, I mean, that's sort of been kind of my traje- trajectory mentally as well is I started out wanting to do stupid comedies. Maybe with a tinge of a tongue-in-cheek, you know, like yeah. wittiness. But for Don't the most part, it was comedy. And then it was dumb action, leaning towards the patriotic. But sure. then I moved to New York, and I, w- I slowly became really philosophical about everything. I yeah. started detaching myself from the cultural bubble I'd been brought up in. And started seeing how powerful this medium is that we sure. both work in, and what really could be done if we weren't influenced by this drive to make as much money as possible. And I ended up going back to school in my mid 30s. That's when I got my BA and my MFA back to back. I was in my 30s, bro. I didn't and actually know that. Yeah, I'm, and I, lot, yeah. I have to start paying it off in January. <laughs> but yeah, defer, forbearance, and defer. Yeah, well, I've been there. Um, <laughs> they're getting tired of that. But <laughs> right. it, it, when, once I went through my 30s, that's when a lot of the work that was most meaningful meaningful to me really started coming out, starting with Death and Life. Which is a film most people won't watch, but that's okay. No, highly philosophical. That, that was your film. That's what. That's what. It was my it film, yourself. and I would have no. never been able to make it without that journey. And then Fractals, which you auditioned for. Yeah. yeah. Um, and which is a great film, by the way. Thank you. I mean, with the trailer, I mean, I love you know, so not out yet. I don't think, right? No, uh, next year. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever happens, it'll be out next year. Yeah. But um, but then also, like, we're going to be collaborating on some projects. Sure. And the soon. first one that I was that I'm that I'm still writing for you was a, meant to just be a tongue in cheek monster movie. But I'm not yeah. happy with tongue in cheek. So it starts taking longer because I'm developing it and integrating, making it more meaningful yeah. to me. I'm integrating all of these philosophical ideas about, well, what makes a monster? Like, that's the question that I'm asking myself as I'm writing this monster movie that's just supposed to be fun. I want to know why is something horrific? Why is something scary? 
And what does that mean for the monster? And so if you're wondering what the status of that monster movie is, it's (laughs) me trying to negotiate (laughs) around these philosophical questions. Yes. Um, Yeah. And so, man, I would have never, ever taken this long to develop anything in my 20s. Are you kidding? Commercial, right? It yeah, it was all about there's commercialism. There's yeah, yeah. And also making a monster movie would have been, if I had made it in my like late teens, early 20s, it would have been about making a goofball movie. Right. Sure. Yeah, Evil Dead or whatever. Right. I don't know if you ever saw that. I, but, I did. Oh, yeah, yeah. We what just watched that? it for the first time. Like, oh, wow. The, yeah, yeah, in October. Uh-huh. I never yeah. watched them. They're really weird. Yeah. They, they were out, <laughs> for that time, they were out. You know, yeah. Full following. So. Um, but I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I love this idea, though. If you stick with it, you'll never know what kind of projects you'll end up doing. Or and that's how it. You have to be willing will to be. work. Yeah. yeah. Work hard. Stick with it. Whatever you're, I mean, at this, like you said, in your 30s, 40s, you realize you want to work on projects that are meaningful to you. Yeah, and that's. I think that's what keeps you going, right? You can't. You couldn't sustain this whole thing. You couldn't in your twenties have the same type of like mentality. You wouldn't be around right now. You would have be working a corporate job somewhere. I don't know, doing something. But uh, yeah, it's impossible. I mean, if your end game is to have a house in the Hollywood Hills or a penthouse <laughs> on the Upper West Side, fuck you. Forget mm-hmm. about it. You're not gonna. No, man. You're never getting it. No. I live on a mountaintop in Virginia. It's got 500 people. And I'm just like, and it's funny. It's funny because the people in this town that I know that, uh, that I, I go to, like my wife plays a concert and we'll talk and like, oh, you're an actor. Oh, well, how? You're in Virginia. They don't realize you can self-tape now here and then travel to the next job. I mean, yeah. it's all changed. But like, you know, my goal is to support, like I said, like, you know, Hollywood Hills, that's, that's not, if it has, does happen, it's great. But it's, I mean, realistically, it's not going to happen. I mean, that's just something that uh, you have to be happy with what you're doing at the time. Yeah. You know? Well, ultimately, that's what forward. I wanted. When I was in high school, I thought it was going to be Hollywood. Then I <laughs> went to too. film school on the West Coast. And I'm like, you oh, know yeah. what? F the West Coast. Then when I went back to Maine after film school, 9-11 happened. And the film, there was a big exodus of the film industry after 9-11. And I'm like, that might be my ingress. Because... No. I never considered New York seriously, and I wouldn't mind learning how to make films in an urban environment. So I moved to New York based on that. I had no job offers. I wasn't enrolled in a class. I saved up some money over the three months of a summer shift at a, at a restaurant and And you memorized here. the subway system. I memorized the subway system Good. over the course of the, <laughs> of the preceding year. Um, Yes, uh, you remember that story. <laughs> I uh, I uh, visited New York twice before moving here. And the first time yeah. I took a map from the MTA because they give away free maps of the subway. And I hung it on my bedroom wall. It was the, I took down all the movie Smart. posters, all the artwork, and I only had that up. And every day I would just almost – I would – I mean I don't have a photographic memory, but I would just like stare at it, blink my eyes real quick. Because if you blink your eyes – you can kind of remember patterns. Yeah. It's a weird thing. It's just like light, right? When you blink your eye, you see a certain image. Yeah, yeah. See. And if I can just sear that into my brain, 
by the time I moved to New York of Labor Day weekend of 03, man, I was just, I was getting around. No question yeah. about it. No only a couple of times where I, yeah. I got a little frazzled because yeah. it was a weekend and on the weekends they fuck everything up. But, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, that's no. a learn- that was the only learning curve. But yeah, when um, I first moved to L.A., they had what's called a Thomas Guide. It's a big map. You had to memorize that. So, I think that at that time, Garmin was just coming out with their navigation system, but it sucked. So you still had the book. You had to memorize where to go. So that's why, you know, navigation didn't matter. When I, you know, navigation came out with the phone. I already had it all memorized in L.A. But, but when I came to New York, you know, uh, first time meeting you, I was taking, taking Uber. because like, shit, I don't want to get lost. And you're like, dude, what are you doing? Just, you got to memorize the subway system. Come on, man. If you're going to work up here, you got to know where to go. And I thought, you know what? That's true. So I'm still, I am still haven't memorized it, but I'm, I'm going to be working on it. So, but I like it was a good, good advice. The best mechanism I found was to think about it in terms of its organic growth. So yeah. like the first subway system was the, what they called it the IRT line and that's, became the one train and that's on the west side and it goes basically under Broadway for the most part. And it's just like the, the lower tip of Manhattan, the battery, all the way to the top on the west side. That's the one. And then you just count from there like, okay, then they built this next. And then there's also some trains out in Queens that were privately owned for a while. Like I just, I learned the story. And then I'm gonna like, say, it's like, yeah, they're all still no there, idea. all those trains. Right. Wow. They're just all owned by the public now. It's really interesting. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I became obsessed with just getting here mm-hmm. and, and digging my heels in. Um, I did have a bit of a misconception about the film community because all of my education is in the early 90s all the way back to the 60s when people early were 90s. legitimately yes. a community. By the time I moved here, it was not as communal as I was hoping. So I, I think in the nineties that was DV out yet? Was it was it SD or was it just DV? Did DV come in the early nineties? They were still shooting sixteen millimeter film. Yeah. Okay. When I started, I only got to shoot film at film school, so all my stuff has always been on either mini DV, yeah, sure, or Super Eight, or eventually hd and above but um it's i I remember the first ever film i tried to make i don't think i even told you this was in 2005 it was when when dv just it came out as the mini tapes i had the uh, panasonic hbx 100 it was just the first 24p kind of handheld thing and and i was and i wrote kind of like a completely no dialogue film in a sense and uh, ended up being after watching all the footage and hours and hours, ended up being like ten minutes of worthy footage. But I, I, I gave a lot of experience. But DV was a big jump when you know from sixteen to eight, you had to worry about right. taking the processing room. I was like, we well, you know maybe I can do something myself. Uh, but that was you know a high ambition with no plan basically. Uh, and LA, I'm not sure what it was. I always thought I could just kind of skate through it and make do this, do that. But without hard work and dedication. You got to be the hardest working person out there to even compete. Yeah. To make to make it the next level, it takes a lot of other elements. But to get in that working realm, you have to be, you know, die hard and working hard all the time. So. Yeah, it's so true because one, the people who are automatically getting offers, yeah. the people who who have the means of production already, they already have it. They were born yeah. into it. 
That's um, what I'm saying. Nepotism ah, is a very real problem. And when I came here, I didn't really believe that. But oh, I learned really quickly that you have to almost be a gnat buzzing around their ears yep. to get their attention. And yeah. it sounds mean and it sounds like ne but it's almost truth. negative, it is, but it's absolute truth. Bug the shit out of them until they're willing to collaborate with you, until they're willing to hire you, until they're willing to work with you. Um, and if they're not willing to work with you, make something better than what they can produce. I think that's what it is, man. Because everybody has that ability you know, to make something. If they're really they're passionate about it, they can find the right people to help them. But it's, it's the vision, the dream, and, and it takes a lot of work and dedication. To, to make a movie, complete a film, it's, I don't want to say it's impossible, but to make one that's worth watching is not impossible. It's hard. Yeah. Um, and I mean, Fractals, the first footage of that was shot in 2017. Wow. Oh, okay. Then, so I think I talked to you in 2019, right? Or was it you, early 2019? It was probably late 2019. Okay, late, okay. Um, because we yeah. ended up shooting it in July of 2020. July. Okay. Wow, that but, was, you know, you've been at that for a while. Been yeah. at it a while. And the, the, the thing is, though, is it wasn't always like that. No. I used to turn movies around in the same day. I had these no. short films that have won awards where I shot it one over the course of two hours. And in the it's moment, like the, that's gratifying. But in the yes. long run, it's, it's, it's a less meaningful project. No. I no. like taking my time and feeling things. Telling your stories. Like the thing we're developing now, not the monster movie, but the other thing that we'll mention at some other point, uh, I'm taking my time outlining a sort of different approach so that we can yeah. also take the, you know, whatever time we we are going to spend making this thing, we're able to experiment and 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 feel the way through it that uh, I wouldn't have done 20 years ago. Yeah, right. I mean, I wouldn't have even had the patience to do what I yeah. do now. I, I do think that has a lot, as you get older and I, didn't think this was possible because I didn't think I'd be getting 46, but you do I don't know, a certain amount of patience. Like, you know what? It's quality over quantity, right? So it's all about what you can produce that's meaningful, not only to everybody else, but to you, as we say. It's also the experience, honestly. Yeah. I'm so tired of stressful shoots that I don't enjoy. Yeah. I don't care how good the footage is. Yeah, that's If true. I'm not that's having good. fun, I don't want to do it. No. And that's something that changed for me in my early 30s. I had this disastrous shoot. I don't know if I ever told you about it. it was the I, only... I think you may have mentioned yeah. that you were hired on a commercial shoot or movie. and then It was a uh, – well, I mean, it started out with a, as a bad business deal. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it just kind of went down the yeah. fucking drain. It was the only SAG after film I ever directed. Yeah. And, not, I'm sure that was pretty tough. They have new yeah, that now. that was sort of the cherry on top of all the bullshit. But the thing is, is it made me realize, and this was the thing that that came out of it was one, no movie's worth putting up with the level of bullshit no. that I had to put up with on that. No, you know, one, I never worked with a cinematographer again. After that, I shot all my own stuff. Your own stuff. I yeah. learned 
the best ways to capture audio without the need for a sound guy. And let me tell you, my sound mixer who did the final mix of Fractals on on this oh, last yeah. project, he That's said this great. was one of the best recorded films he's ever mixed. I said, yeah, and I didn't even oh, have a, an on-set guy for that. It was all me and my girlfriend figuring out where to place mics without a boom. So we didn't we don't have a boom in our in our usual setup. We have uh we have a shotgun mic on the camera and then we have another sh- identical shotgun mic that floats. And okay. that's way yep. better than yep. what I got when we had a full crew, which is like really weird because you wouldn't think yeah. that. You'd think that the tried and true way would be the best way. But there was something about the setup of that production, it enlightened me to this idea. Well, if I'm going to put all this effort into a screenplay, into putting all these, I'm not going to say my ideas are worth anything because most ideas aren't worth a goddamn, but there's a lot of energy getting put into creating something that works, that everybody can benefit from. And there's almost a feeling of, of disrespect when it just becomes about the ego of the individual yeah. worst crew I ever had. The cast was a split mix between people who understood what I was trying to do and people who just weren't down for it. They do were just like happy the that they got hired. That was about it. They wanted to break. Like right. Do you feel like the DP, for example, didn't have your vision or just someone that completely just, or was it too combative? He was very talented. And he yeah. invented some amazing ways to light without using professional lights. Which is always good. But he couldn't work without people on his team that I just couldn't. They didn't have the right spirit. They kind of, I almost yeah. felt like their complaining corrupted him a little bit. And yeah. it just, it, by day three. The whole thing was just, I didn't want to go back. Yeah. And I now don't use a crew. Like, well, for my that's experience, shocking all, to a lot of people. No, no, it makes sense because all, all the sets that I've been on, the, the movies that have worked, you always hear them say this at the end it was a family, right? So it's yeah. all like, they're great friends after. If that doesn't happen, you're not going to get a great product. I mean, they have to like each other. Everyone has to work together and it has to be the same vision. Uh, everyone and the director has to like helm the ship. And that's yeah. the way it works. I mean, if, it, if you're not on the same page, you're not going to make anything that works. I agree, one hundred percent. And that's the thing that that was the project that made me realize that is, I'd rather not have a crew than to have the wrong crew. Yeah. So this is good. I took a break. I went back to school. I didn't make a film for a number of years, and then in between my undergrad and my graduate, that summer I made Death in Life. And that changed. That changed who I was as a filmmaker. Death and Life is pure art house. I'd applaud anybody who can get through the first 10 minutes. Because I deliberately engineered it to weed out people who wouldn't understand. (laughs) I'm not kidding. The first first 10 minutes is a shot of a parking garage with people walking underneath back and forth. Oh, man. I don't know if my dad would have made it because that's kind of how I got into filmmaking. Most people wouldn't make it. Yeah, he's like, if somebody's not getting beat up in five minutes, he's not watching the movie. The person, the version of me prior to that disastrous project wouldn't have made it. Yeah. I would have walked out. 
And that's that's what's so important right. here. Yeah. Is is that now my brain had shifted to a point where I I'm comfortable presenting this shot for 10 minutes with a little bit of voiceover. I a right. really deep headache inducing droning sound. Yes. To get you into this vibe that oh, I'm in for something really fucking weird. Yeah. But yeah. if you yeah. can get through the first 10 minutes you can make it the rest of the yeah, day. It's only an hour and six minutes, yeah. an hour and three minutes or whatever. Yeah. No, but if you can I get mean, through the first 10, you can get through the rest of it. I do like the setup. You don't weed them out. <laughs> Who made it? 50 that made it. You got to get this treat. You love it. But at, at Jan's request on the next one, which was Fractals, she asked me to take it easy. So I said, yeah. all right, I'll do, I'll make it a little bit lighter tone. So instead of having a parking garage, I start fractals out at the back window of a train, and we're just okay. kind of going through a train tunnel. Which is, which is more, yeah, I, I get it's it. a little more interesting. And there's music too yeah. now, and it's okay. it's nice music, it's but it's like still the same thing. Time. Like if you can get through the first, yeah. I also cut it down so it's like three minutes. If you can get first first the first three minutes, you're on your way. But then I think you're getting this... closer for the modern day attention span, right? Yeah, is closer, right? A lot of this too is the, these last few projects. We're very much an experiment in fucking with people's attention spans because, <laughs> honestly, like the oh, American yeah. movie going public yeah. has Not been corrupted. Time. They've been yeah. corrupted. They don't That's know true. how to sit in in a real film. It's true. Uh, YouTube, right? It's like everything's quick. Boom! Everything's snappy. <laughs> Everything has yeah. to happen fast. Quick cut, jump cuts, jump cuts. You know. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, the biggest complaint with Avengers Endgame that I heard from people were that it took too long to get to the portal scene. <laughs> and I'm like, that was all the stuff before the portal scene is the best stuff. Yeah. Probably it's some the of the setup, best stuff yeah. over ten yeah. years. Oh, like the man. portal scene is a nice button on the end of it, but you'll see some writer <laughs> in the back room going, you suck, bitch. Yeah. So like, I don't know. I just I, something about fucking with that. That that also came out of my yeah. that no, experience. I, I, I didn't know that. I don't like that. Yeah, it's like you know what you you just like. Can you hold on? You know, I like it. But I'm out of that phase now. I did it. I did two films yeah. where I got to experiment with that, and uh, one's out there now. The other one will be out there in 2022. Yeah. And now we're gonna make. We're gonna make something completely different. Yeah. Oh man, cannot wait. Yeah. We can't. We can't tell most of you guys right. about it yet, but we will someday. Soon enough. Soon, Soon enough, enough. But not yet. Yeah. And uh, that's exciting. It's gonna be good. <laughs> it is. Uh, but yeah, I, I. You know, I. I really wanted to do this episode with you. Well, thank I, you. I invited I you off the cuff because I'm like, well, I need. To, I need some stuff for December. But then as I got to thinking about it this week, I'm like, you know, we could make this episode about the hustle. Yeah. I haven't really had a solid one about that. And it's such an important subject to me. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter what whether you, the, the listener, if you're out there, if you're listening, if you're digesting this through YouTube or yeah. some, some podcast app, it doesn't matter if you're, you're an actor, if you're you want to be a filmmaker, if you want to be a writer, all these hard to, f to get into industries, all these fields where the ingress seems corrupted by nepotism. Yeah. 
It's all about yep. the hustle, man. It's yeah. not just hard work. You know what? I, I grew up with some of the hardest working motherfuckers on the main coast. Lobstermen, <laughs> fishermen, carpenters. Yeah. They work right. their of asses they are, off. Right? They're the That's hardest working people I've ever yeah. met. But you know what? They're still yeah. paying off debts. They're still paying bills. Yeah. Because hard work is only the baseline component. What yeah. we're talking about is everything else and negotiating yeah. around everything above right. that. Yeah. That's the hard stuff. Sure. To get to that level, it takes that extreme dedication of being a hard oh worker. My God, yes. But then once you're there, like what I'm doing right now is like, because again, I'm going to all the other intangible parts. Is it the right look? I mean, where is he located? It, things that you can't control. It's like the only thing you really can control is the amount of hustle you put into it. That's what you can control. That's a great. And if you're not doing that, <laughs> I mean, you're not going to. It's not in our business. It's not possible to get to that hopeful level. Like you know, just get to that level to where they can kind of see you. It takes extreme dedication. That's it. That's the perfect, like, quote. I think that's going to be the title of this. The only thing you can control is the amount of hustle you put into it. That's it. I, mean, I that's love that. It. I that's love it. That's that all so you have. Much. That's your only bit. I mean, that's this is why I'm we going. get along, bro. Yeah, thank you. That's all I tell myself every day is, like, can't, well, it's a, a T-shirt I saw many years ago. I don't even know where it was. Can't knock the hustle. You probably know this whole thing. It was a T-shirt printed. But I always remember that, like, you know. Like, and then, you know, if, if I don't put 100% in, there's no way I can get to that next level. And that's my, yeah. my whole thinking now is how do I jump? And I've told, I said this several times today, but like, but if we don't do the hustle, you're not going to get to that next level. For the, to be noticed, 100% effort to hopefully get to the next level. That's the goal. That's, that's, that's what I'm presenting. So. You know what I also like is that you're willing to just make a project. Yeah, no. Anything. Like... One of the things I'm always telling actors and actresses that come through my orbit is in addition to having that list of auditions, having that list of yeah. things you've booked, where's that list of projects you're putting together for yourself? Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point because you are in control of that, right? That's, that's the one the- thing. If more – more and than getting hired, you are 100% in control of whether or not you hire yourself. Yeah, yeah. And then, as they always say, the, the hustle amount goes to two, 200% because you're making, you're, produ- you're acting and producing. I did it, you know, recently I did a short film like that. And it's the first time in quite a while I, I put that together. Man, the amount of effort it takes just to do something like that, you, you, it's, it's 24 7 to get everything oh. together. There's only time. I mean, you obviously know this, but I mean, it just takes a just. And people don't, oh, yeah, I watched your 20-minute short. Uh, it wasn't bad. I like it. It's okay. They have no idea how many hours you put in. I had a family member up recently, and they were looking at my board like, oh, wow, you did 25 auditions this month. You only booked two. That's kind of low odds. I'm like, really? Actually, those are phenomenal odds. But see, in the, in the different world, that, that looks terrible, right? You, you're booking 10% roughly. So it's like, you know, that looks, that looks bad. So. But the reality of our world—that's damn—that's you're you're making great it. Odds. Yeah. You know, one out of ten, right? That's it. People don't realize that this isn't like putting your application at the GM and getting a factory line, yeah, you know, no. processing job. This no. is uh, this is this is one of those industries where if you really make it, yeah. not only are you set for life, 
but your next of kin is set for life and so are theirs. And just because of that alone, you're in for the hardest hustle possible. So it's important not to just look at it as something you're getting hired to do, but, and, and this word isn't thrown around enough for this, you have to be an entrepreneur. You have to look at yourself as an entrepreneur. Every actor who's ever achieved anything is an entrepreneur. There's a reason why, like, all these A-listers have their own production companies. They're creating vehicles for themselves because they know that that's really the best way they're going to get the best results for what they're capable of. That's just it. And the other thing is, as an actor, you don't give up on an audition, right? So I... For example, I auditioned for a movie uh, in October and then I booked it in May. So like you, you just got to you got to do the work, hustle hard, put the time in and then just let it go from there. But it will come back to you if it's worth it. I mean, they, you know, all jobs um, are, are worth putting the time and effort into that audition. I mean, you yeah. have to. Oh, yeah. You can't just throw one up. You have to put your time and effort in, go to the next one. But you have to get them done. You can't. And also you can't never turn up, turn one down. That's the biggest mistake a lot of actors make that I've noticed like, oh, you know, I don't have time for that. I always make time. If it's 3 a.m., 2 a.m. There's plenty I'm of time. Working. Yeah, so exactly. Like, what do you really want to do with your life that you don't have time <laughs> right. to Why are you in this business, right? That's <laughs> what separates. As one person says, it's the hardest working person in the room. Always make it work. I like this idea of, oh, what do you do for a living? I audition oh, for yeah. a living. Sometimes they let yeah. me play. You know? yeah, right. <laughs> That's my job as an actor. Two things, right? Uh, I like to say, you know, stay in shape, right? The best you can. Get your vanity muscles working. Be, be good. But also your true primary job is auditioning. That's it. That's my job. You know, the staying in shape part, not just for the sake of visuals, which yeah. mean all the most well-paid actors are, let's face it, they're hot. Oh, but here's the thing. A lot of people don't realize how much energy they're going to need when they do make it. Not just actors, but entrepreneurs in general. It's so important. This is advice I got when I was in my late 20s. I was going to these entrepreneur meetings. And the the first piece of advice that I was given was stay in shape. I didn't really take it. I'm a fat fuck. But because (laughs) once you do make it, once you do make it, you're going to need all that health and energy to keep yeah. up because yeah. make, getting through the, the barrier is just the first part. Then you're going to maintain it. Yeah. And that takes an enormous yeah. amount of stamina. Enormous. It amount. does. It does. I mean, and again, I go back to this again. It's like making that next leap. You can get, you can control one element of an acting career. Right. And then if you get to that work, what you can control it's just trying to stay there, like you just said, and then hopefully other things will happen. But yeah. it's but being there, staying there, staying shape, everything mentally, physically, it's just I mean, it's a daily grind. I mean, it's it's an amazing. And obviously, there's a lot of ups and downs. I mean, you know, I'm like anybody else. Like, oh yeah, you know, you haven't booked in three weeks. You know what's going on? I re- reevaluate your headshots. Everything's wrong in your auditions. You know, it's a, it's an up and down battle. It's not. Never glamour. I mean, honestly, I was like, "Oh, you're lucky. You're on. You're. On, I saw you on, uh, you know, the Hallmark or a Lifetime movie last year. Oh, that was great. You must be rich." I'm like, "Shit, man. I didn't get paid anything for that." You know, <laughs> so, 
I'm the broke, brokest actor you're ever going to see. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're I mean, I'm not at the, I'm, I'm at the level of being seen a little bit, but making money, it's like just survive. That's it. And if you're in it for that, for the, it's going to be nearly, if you're not, if you don't have what you just said, if you're not like a cousin of somebody that's famous or a nephew or, or I don't know, brother or sister, and you're trying to make it, it's going to take a long time, but it's going to, it, it can, you can do it. I'm not saying that it just takes time and effort persistence and you can't give up. I mean, but if somebody asked me recently, Oh, would you recommend, you know, being an actor? I'm like, well, that's kind of tricky. I mean, on one hand, unless you can't live without it, I would say, you know, don't do it. But if it's in you and it's all you think about, like, and I don't know other actors have said this, but if you, that's, that's it. If you know in your heart, that's what it is. got to sacrifice everything to do it. I mean, that's, that's the way it works. I love that spirit too. It's like, because that that's the true measurement of why does somebody want to do this? Yeah. If you can't live, without, the money's not going to be there. What's I mean, the point? Yeah, until you make it to a certain level. I mean, you, you you're going to take like you know, for example, I, I live in Virginia, but I drove to Minnesota to do that. That's like 20 hours during the snow just to do a four line movie because I knew it would be on a certain network, right? And I thought, you know, it's good. But it was just good for me. It was great. But it takes, like, that kind of dedication. It's resume builders, right? It's small steps. And, I mean, I hate to say you don't have to drive 20 hours and do a part. But if you're not willing to, you know, that's that's the big difference. That's what separates. Are you willing to stay up all night? Are you willing to drive X amount of hours? And what are you willing to put into it to make it? And, that's, again, I can go back to any business you're talking about. You can apply to anything, corporate world. It's the dedication, the hustle, and I'm not saying I'm the best out there, but I do it. I do all that I can do personally. You know. Yeah. And that applies to everything. Yeah. That philosophy applies to everything. Sure. What are you willing to drive 200 miles for? That's oh, that's a great title too. I do like that. Yeah. You know. It's true, though. Are you willing to? I mean, some people, even I remember I drove to Atlanta for a commercial two years ago, and everybody was local but me, right? So I'm like eight hours away, and they're like, you drove all this way for this? I'm like, hell yeah, and I'll do it again. <laughs> are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, people, I mean, I, again, they stay in their pool. My pool is the U.S. They're all over the place. That was crazy, yeah. right? But not the job was in Seattle. The job was in like Maryland. Or it could be down the I'm going to go where the job's at. I think Hollywood is more on the path to being. Yeah, it's where the grip truck is, right? It's it's, it's not centrally located anymore. It's no. it's 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 everywhere, and tax incentive number one. I mean, that's a big part of the motivation for places like Atlanta getting all that business. But more and more people are sick and tired of. The almost I would like to think, you, you know, the, there's a cultural, there's almost a cultural poison to being in one place. Yeah. It negatively affects the work. Like I can yeah. watch a TV show or film and tell whether or not the screenwriter is based out of L.A. Because there's almost always a conversation about movies. Oh, the main character just they just love classic films. Yeah. That's because the screenwriter's in LA and he doesn't get around much. Yeah. Like I can always tell when a screenwriter is based out of New York, because there'll be a lot more political or or bureaucratic level of dialogue. And then I could tell when a screenwriter isn't centrally located in either of these cities. 
and 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 it, it really affects the work. And a lot of people just like, oh, you're just you have no idea what you're talking about. I can look up any of these people that I'm thinking of and and tell you where they live, like just based on the quality of their their writing or not so much the quality, but the content of their writing. And I think it's important that Hollywood continue this trend of sort of not just getting actors from all over who are willing to travel, but getting talent from all over who are willing to contribute. Because they bring that element to the movie. They they bring their own element from their region, their area to that set. Yeah. And that means a lot. I write so many projects that are set in New England. The only reason I haven't made them is because, one, I don't really have that many connections up there anymore. I know that if I did, I would want local talent. I would want my my scripts, if I had to hire writers to clean up some of the scenes, which is a normal part of the the process. Um. I'd want somebody local who can almost localize the stuff. Like, cause I don't write for Maine local anymore. Like I yeah. lived in Maine almost 20 years ago. Yeah. I would want somebody who's been there this whole time to be like, yeah. all right, well maybe you should say this or try, if you tried doing this, you know, it's, it's, it's that kind of stuff I'm more interested in. And, and the same thing with actors. That's the advantage. I'd rather of have ball. new England based actors yeah. in a project. Sure that's set in new England or um, if I'm doing something down South, have somebody maybe who's more familiar with the South. Like I would never have, uh, I think one of the most famous movies gone with the wind, the people weren't even from there and it was so obvious and it comes off so well, you know, like a Broadway play. It's so ridiculous. Funny is, uh, my wife and I watched the show recently, and I won't name the show. It was based in Texas, and only one person had a Southern accent. <laughs> I was like, and I'm from the South, right? I live in, you know, Southern Virginia. I, I we, we get it. I'm like, I, I don't hear any, anything. And it's all like mainstream or, or Northern accents. I was like, what, this, this is set in Texas? I had to look it up to make sure. And she's like, well, yeah, it is. I'm like, okay, wow. And then it was. But yeah, they I, that, but they they didn't get it renewed. I that one, you know, there's a couple problems too with continuity stuff. But <laughs> that you know, obviously, that's a big thing. If you don't have certain actors that set, that bring down that intensity and that you know being authentic to that area, yeah. They, yeah, they can't they can't do it. I mean, that's you can't really relate to a show that doesn't it's not honest to itself. I guess. Yeah. You know, not that I'm you know the expert out of here, but I'm just saying that's that's for my opinion. You know, for what what I like, that's that's what you like to hear. Yeah, and I had a similar conversation about this a couple podcasts ago with my sound mixer for Fractals. Uh, yeah. He also did some visual effects stuff, but we were talking about that British actor who's who was in um, he was in a couple movies recently where he had to put on a southern drawl. Uh, the guy who played yeah. James Bond. Remember oh, uh, uh, yeah, no, um, I know exactly what it's kind of. Uh, yeah, I forget geez. his name, but he's been in the press recently. But um, yeah, he's been in like, oh a couple God, movies terrible. where he had to put on a like. And to to me though, like you know how many American actors could easily do those roles? Oh yeah, and Simple. and sound more. I know which movie you're talking about. He was in prison, right? There was uh, that one, of... and then there was also one where he played like a private investigator of a murder. God, what's his? It's gonna bother me. What's his name? Uh, yeah, Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, the first movie was like they were robbing a race car track or something. Yeah. yeah, 
The guy's yeah, got like, great chops uh, and great talent. He's super talented, man. Like, he's if I can have a quarter of his career, just give me an eighth of his career. I'll, I'll take it. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, you know what? Yeah, but I get what you're saying. Like, if you can cast somebody from that area that's, that actually, they don't have to work for the accent, they can focus yeah. on the character. That's two elements. I mean, you know, people don't realize that's extremely hard to, to, to focus on your dialogue and then fake an accent. Yeah. I mean that's that, that separates. A lot of times you'll freeze up. You, 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 you am I saying this correctly in this right accent versus the dialogue? You lose you lose your place. And if you I can see, alleviate one of those, that's going to be huge. Yeah, I see it almost as like where do you want to allocate your resources? There you I go. sure as shit don't want my actors allocating it towards a fake accent because yeah, I mean, no matter how good or practiced it is, it's still fake. No matter. What. I, I think Robert Downey Jr. said it the best. He's like, you know what? Uh, the hardest thing is number one. Uh, I, I'm maybe quoting him. He said, the, "The best out there is the writer, then it's the director, and then it's the actor." He says, "You give me somebody off the street in three days, I can make them a starter as an actor." You know what I mean? Like you know, so you can take somebody from that area that has a southern accent, and you can—I don't want to say you can make him a star, but you can probably fit him into your movie. You know, if they have the certain certain elements. But I mean, what he's saying is like, you know what? You don't have to stretch it. They're all there. You know, I agree with him. I, yeah. I weirdly agree with him. But then I, I get to thinking like I I mix up a lot of his arrogant roles with him because right. I don't know right. who's who because he's yes. so good. But well, I think that he was on that show, uh, which I really like. I don't know his name. It's when it's in black and white, it's off the camera. It's a, you know, if you've seen it on YouTube, it's a show that's all, all his shows shot in black and white. Uh, God, I, was, I think it's called off the camera, off something. I'm doing a mis- I'm not doing it very yeah, well, but not. but anyway, he was on that show, and it's very like it's, it's two chairs, and they're just having a real conversation. So I think that you know he really you know I think he was speaking the truth there on that. And again, I don't know, you know, he's not doing like a press junket, normal yeah. one. So, well, you know, he has he's an interesting actor because his father is a, is one of my favorite filmmakers of all time. Yeah. I don't know much don't about know. his history other than him. So he, he grew up. Well, I don't know if he grew up in Manhattan, but his his dad was a New York filmmaker, who Man, made some uh, really really wonderful experimental films. Um, just out, like he would do these incredible things. Like he would go out into New York City nightlife and interview swingers or or people who were <laughs> on the dating scene. Yeah. And then you talking about his dad? Yeah, his dad. And, oh, in like the that. 60s. And then he would integrate those interviews with like made up scenarios. Yeah. And there was this one stunt he pulled where he dressed as um a Yankee soldier, a Civil War era Yankee soldier who who walked into Yankee oh, Stadium man. during a baseball game and he actually did this and he got arrested doing it. And then they smuggled the footage out and then they integrated it into a film. And yeah. like That's- Borat style. Borat, right. kind of a version of that. Yeah, yeah. 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 And right, it could be the original piece. You should look up a film called Putney Swope. It's a really weird movie. Putney Swope? Yeah, it should be on YouTube. Um, if it's not on YouTube, it's definitely somewhere. Putney Swope is, is his father's sort of biggest movie that he made. It's weird. And do you remember that movie that Robert did um, 
where he plays a Australian who's playing a black guy. Oh, he's Tropic talking like Thunder. this. It's Tropic Thunder, man. Tropic Thunder. Favorite. His voice for Tropic Thunder is from Putney Swope. See, Ooh. Putney Swope, the main character is a black guy, but the whole voice is his father talking like this. No shit. It's alluding to his father's master work. Like, I'm just a dude being a dude playing dude. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> but when you watch Putney Swope, you're going to see where this character from oh, Tropic man. Thunder is that's rooted. Yeah. Oh. Um, that's not, that's not going to be, that's not out in the press. I didn't know that. You know? No. But I actually thought that's one of the best movies Ben Stiller has put together. In my, in oh, my, yeah. Hands I down. Thought, man. Hands it's, down. But the, and everything that he... Well, that whole thing is a commentary on the film industry and how ridiculous oh, it no. is. You know, the yeah. whole TiVo thing. It's like everybody, nobody's working. I'm I not getting, I'm not stepping foot on set until I have my TiVo. Yeah. That's such. You know what? Tom Cruise was good at that too, man. Yeah, like, he shit, got it. The best role. He understood exactly what the role was. He was playing. But I heard he had to fight for that because the Vince Silver doesn't die. You know, if I'm wrong, let me know. But. He's like, you know, I want to be this certain character that dances and has all this arm hair. And he just, he made his own character. I was like, man, that's what a vision he saw. He knew exactly. The big hands. The like his was, hands right? had to be huge. Yeah. That's what I thought, man. Tom Cruise is honestly just crushed that role. I was like, man, if you could just play that. I mean, I love him in you know, all his roles. He's great. But I mean, that just separated him. You know? I thought, wow. Honestly, for all his real world crazy, his Tom Cruise is one of the best actors. Yeah, and his dedication to the craft, as we've been saying, stuns. Yeah. Who can do that? Who can do what he does in, the, in Hollywood? If you can name one person who comes close to that, then you can't because he is impossible. You know how Truly, many pussy. Impossible. You know how many pussy ass actors would not hang off the side of an airplane as it takes no off. One. I'm not even no sure one would fucking do that. I'd do that just for fun. He'd uh, he'd do that though in like two seconds. I, know, I mean, he gets paid. <laughs> do what he loves man that's what's crazy to me i i don't know if this is true but there was a rumor i'd heard that he's now trying to do a movie in space for real no i heard that yeah you heard true. that too yeah fucking awesome i mean i i it's tom cruise and everybody else right it's like the whole industry just yeah, 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 yeah. this guy owns it yeah he does that's it right there he because he's willing to do the de- that's a dedication that's seeing what your vision that's your, I don't know, vision board, whatever you want to call it. He knows what he wants, and he gets it, Yeah. right? He knows what people, the viewers want. He just, he can relate. But he's also willing to take that 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 risk, that leap, that yep. you know, that one little thing in the film to make yep. Yep. to make it stand out above. To make it work, yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> 99% of the actors, they, you know, they're great at acting, but when it comes to everything else, they're not going to do it. And again, I'm not sure that I can hang off a plane or drop down to do my dialogue. He's off a plane. He's like flying off a plane out on the side of it. Then he's yelling something, right? I mean, he's like, oh, she get me off here. Maybe if but, I, I mean, ever I, have uh, the option to offer that to you, oh my God, I man. will. I will do. I will do. <laughs> We're going to have him. That was, a, I heard horror, horror stories about getting that shoot insured though. The insurance companies didn't yeah. want that shit happen. But, but didn't uh, he break that, his ankle? Didn't he break his ankle on a jump? Was, I don't know. Yeah, he was doing like kind of a scene. He jumped across a couple flights or jumped across to another building, and he made the jump. And then he just his foot broke. He didn't make it. Didn't land it correctly. But yeah, I mean, well, we're not designed to jump across buildings. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I'm thinking to myself, how do you? I mean, 
But you know, I, I think this mentality though, it wouldn't have happened without Top Gun. I think it was born with Top Gun because the the story I heard was he was going to reject Top Gun. Oh, I and the filmmaker or Jerry Bruckheimer, whoever produced it, said, yeah, why don't you take a ride in a jet? We're going to put you with the Navy. They're going to take you for a ride. Yeah. And I he, said Jerry. I was like, I th- like, I know him. I was like, oh, yeah, it was Jerry. Yeah, I, yeah, I know yeah, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I know him. We, we talk about these guys because yeah. we grew up with them. We grew up with their yeah, work. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. We grew up seeing their names in our household. Yeah. So, yeah, Jerry, sure. this yeah, hey, Jerry. Let us know if this story is true or not. But, yeah, the story I heard was that he he – Jerry insisted that he go up with the Navy, so they took him up in a in a fighter jet. For in Top Gun, the original. Okay. Yeah, in the original before the original movie, and on touchdown, he got out and he said, "All right, I'm in," and that's it. And I think that that was that experience that made him realize what his acting career can do for him. It's not just about acting now. It sort of becomes about getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. It, it does. It does. What do you think about Keanu Reeves? I love him. Yeah, he I still too, rides right? the fucking subway, and I mean, he knows people, the subway. I, <laughs> yeah, guy, he does know it, and, and I don't. I, I'm an Uber man and Lyft, but you know what? <laughs> Coming soon in subway. But anyway, I, I think he absolutely like he embodies like people give him shit on certain things, but man, he to me he's amazing to watch. I think his his ability, just, not only as an action star, human being, humanitarian, I don't whatever you want to say, but like. He embodies what it takes to be an He's actor. Functioning. I would say I put him in that same bubble, actually. You know what? We'll put Tom Cruise, Keanu Reeves, pretty close. I think from an acting standpoint, they're equal. I think from living life standpoint, they're equal. Yeah. But I think that Keanu has something more. There's something about the way he lives his life at least from where I sit, the way I observe it, that has a lot more meaning to it. And I don't, don't quite know what it is. I, 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 I can't mean, put... it's that intangible thing that, that, that people separate stars, right? As an actor, you're like, you yeah. know, you can be the same level, same look, I don't know, same all these skills, but there's something intangibly that separates, that makes someone a star and someone not. And that's what you can't control. Well, I'm thinking not even in terms of being a star. I'm thinking in terms of I get the sense there's for 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 Keanu that there's there's something he understands about reality that maybe the rest of us don't, and I know that sounds really weird. Is that, is that the Matrix talking? Is he the Matrix? No, it's yet? not a Matrix thing. <laughs> That's one of my least oh, favorites of his films. Yeah. But like, there's just something about life that I feel. I almost get the impression get he it. gets, yeah. and I don't know why I get that about him. Um, I don't oh. know that much about him to be honest, but like. Yeah, I am. Uh, he seems like a kind, genuine person yeah. that people can relate to. People, you know, relate to his story, and that that's what makes them want to watch him. I think it's rooted in kindness and, and this yeah. understanding that of kindness is a currency, or maybe that there's something to kindness oh, wow. that other like people that. don't recognize. Kindness, kindness is currency. Yeah. Damn, I like that. I don't, I don't think I've ever heard that. Well, if I ever get my metrics up on this, maybe I can get them on here. Can yeah, ask him, what is it about you, Keanu Reeves? Hmm? Yeah. He's like, kindness is currency. <laughs> that is good. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a funny, funny business. It's a great business. Sad. I mean, there's so many. If you want the roller coaster, step Film. in. Right? Yes, acting. <laughs> 
So, yeah, I think, you know, and, and I'll give him a spin it, though. Zach um, Zagalvanakis, I think that guy is the best comedian out there. He's one of my favorite guys. He's good. Between yeah. two firms. Yeah, I know there's something about him. He's like, you know, he hate. I know he hates Hollywood and all this, and but he's just like, there's something about his comedic style and his way. He, he can tell a good story. I think he's really good. You know, it's one of my other favorite actors. Yeah. And it's completely different from Tom Cruise, but although Tom Cruise does have the acting, the comedy chops too, though. I don't know. I, I thought he was he was uh, great in um, the one that we, we were just talking about, uh, Tropic, yeah, Tropic Thunder. Yeah. But also that musical he was in uh, where he played a rock star. Oh, yeah. He had a monkey yeah. oh, or you, something. You want, I think a supporting uh, uh, Oscar, right? Like a supporting... I forget. Um, uh, Magnolia, still Magnolias. Oh, Magnolia is another one. It, that's yeah. not a f- comedy by any yeah, measure, I don't even know but what I'm saying. He, at this point, he, but... he was in a musical where he played a rock star. He had a monkey, um, and he was. It was a comedy. It was a musical comedy, and he sang in it. I mean, uh, I will say this: if there's something he needs to do in a part, he will not become good at it. He will be the best. Yeah, like, that's what I, I tell myself. Like, show. Yeah, I'm like tell myself, you know what? I can just get, he's going to be the best. I just got to uh, aim for that. And then I'm going to not be good enough, but I'll at least try to make it. Like, that's what people have to realize. You can't just be mediocre or average in any business, anything you do, and go back to the hustle. It's like, you have to shoot for it. You have to know someone. You have to visit. Like, who do you know in your life that has succeeded? And you have to look at that and say, look, got to get there. Yeah. And I feel like there's also an aspect of courage. So... Tom Cruise, before he made Magnolia, was a household name. Been in some family-friendly movies. Been in some great movies that, yeah, um, risky business, variety of ages, yeah. Um, And then Magnolia comes along, and how many A-listers would do a monologue rooted in respect the cock? I mean, that is so risky. (laughs) Very small. I mean, you're not gonna be like pulling like Daniel Day-Lewis off to do that. You know what I'm saying? When he was still around. Which I also love Daniel Day-Lewis. He's bad. He's very good. Yeah, I feel like, um, I don't know, there's something about method that just, I don't, I can't access it (laughs) uh, with the same level of respect. Because he legit exhausted himself that he can't do it anymore. And you know, I heard that Will Ferrell does the same thing. Yeah. He lives, like Ron Burgundy, he lived that role. Did you see his latest one where, like, I don't know if it's his latest one, but we watched it over the pandemic where he's a singer from Europe in a European contest. I have not seen that. No. It's on, like, Netflix or one of those streaming services. Um, he, he made a Spanish film one time, too. I just had to randomly find. And I was like, why? He speak? I didn't realize he spoke Spanish. That's, a, that's something. I hope I'm not misquoting that, but I think he speaks Spanish. I'm like, some Spanish movie. I'm like, what? It was. I, don't know, I think it was on Netflix too. It was a couple of years ago, but no, I, I didn't know about the, the one he was singing. And that's uh, that's yeah, nice to me. It was him and Rachel McAdams. It's you should watch. It's pretty funny. Um, it's um, they're in the Eurovision uh, music contest, which is the <laughs> the contest. It's a very famous contest over there. It's not so famous over here. It's mostly known over here because ABBA was discovered at Eurovision. Yeah. The, the band that Mamma Mia, they did all the Mamma Mia songs. Yeah. But Dude, um, I'm like far behind on that. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm like I, mean, a stone it's man. I think it's like the 70s. But um, 
him and Rachel McAdams play like I think people from Iceland or something, someplace like oh. that, or <laughs> not the nether. I don't funny. know. I don't know those countries, but um, yeah, one of those countries close to Russia that still believes in elves. But um, speaking know, of elves, it was a, it was it was a really a weird movie. <laughs> yeah, he was elf, elf too. Yeah. I have God, elf man. somewhere over here. I but, you know, the guy like that, that, man. This is what I heard too. I don't know if it's true. They started off his his. I mean, he went to like a, a community college and took some comedy class or public speaking, and he he would try out his stuff there and kind of you know went from that point. I'm like, man, you know what? This lets you know you can be anywhere in the U.S. And every every community college, because uh, I went to one, I know this, and then I went to university after that. I took public speaking at a, at a community college. That everyone has one, right? And so if you want to get into this, why not start there? Public mm-hmm. speaking, right? And it, I, I thought of that it resonated with me when. When I heard that, like, you know what, that we all start at that point. You know? you know, when I was going to school in my undergrad, I went into a public speaking class because I was the leader of the Writers and Speakers Club, and I needed people, and, yeah. I, and I wanted to pitch them. And so I went into the class, gave them my pitch, and I kept looking over at this guy in the class, <laughs> and I'm like, "How the, is this guy familiar? He's like, why is he so familiar? And oh, it shit. turned out to be an actor named Jason Andrews. And Jesus. I recognized him from a movie that won Sundance. It was an obscure movie that won Sundance in the mid-90s called Rhythm Thief that most people in my network do not know. No. No. It's an obscure movie, but an excellent movie. And Rhythm I, for some fucking reason, I recognized him and he, he doesn't look the way he looked in the film, but I just, there was something about him and I'm, and at the end I looked at him, I go, are you Jason Andrews from Rhythm Thief? And he goes, yeah. He's like, oh, okay. And then I left. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the, you're like, so you're like, you're like, even these guys who have been around the block are taking public speaking classes still. I think that's where you start. Like, you know what? If, if anyone's watching this and wants to get in the business as an actor or whatever, public speaking. Let's just recommend that right now. Public, public speaking, speaking 101. at a community college, right? So no pressure. You go in there, you, you join, take the class, and you start there. And you can try your bits. You can do whatever you – because you have certain levels you, you got to do or demonstration. But you can try it. You can start right there. You know what class I found enormously helpful? It's, it was called performing literature. You take yeah, like the works book. of literature, like a novel, okay. and you perform yeah. it. Oh, wow. Okay. The, you're new. reading it, but you're performing it as you read it. That was Giving hard, man. Yeah, no, oh. sure. I'm like, what? Yeah. I'm sure that had to be good. Because it's not well, designed, none of it's designed to no. be monologish or, or dialogue. No. Because you got to give it a certain pros. amount of rhythm, right? Yeah. You give it a certain amount of rhythm and beats and make it interesting. And you have to create your story within the, in the text. So, I, But uh, you know what happened out of that is I ended up taking the last page of The Great Gatsby and I turned <laughs> it into a monologue. And it oh. was never really meant to be. No. Wow. So I still got it memorized. Where I did my undergrad... You could do a community college route, or you could go, get the BA. It didn't really matter. So the the associates, I think, is the community college, and then the BA. It is, is. yeah. I, I did like a year and a half of community college, and transferred in. 
after that. But we were getting so many working actors, people who've been around for a long time, a lot of Broadway people. Like, oh. hell, were you in... I, I remember for, at one point I was writing for the paper and it was called The Student Connection and I had to interview this woman who was winning some sort of scholarship and I'd recognized her. And I'm like, were you in Aida in 2004? Wow. And she's like, yeah. Like, oh, I went to the, I went to one of your shows. And then and you then, walked away. Yeah, because I don't really care about <laughs> no, famous people. No, I did. I finished the interview and I left and I never saw her again. No, but like, no. it's stuff like that. Exactly. Like, That's respectable. That's doing just, your work. Yeah, well, I mean, they just... They're working. That's all they're doing. And that's all they're ever doing. Um, And, but they're all, there's always working actors. The ones who are, who are working and still working are also going back to school for other things. She wasn't going back to school for acting. I think she was actually doing writing, which is like the one thing everybody should be working on is their Robert Downey Jr., number one, writing. Fucking A, dude. Number two, correct me. He's like, you know what? In acting, give me three days. I'll make you a star. That's why I didn't so make did, a film for the. I did this accelerated undergrad. So in three years, because I did full loads during summers, I did I did my undergrad in three years. But yeah. I didn't do any films. I didn't shoot video. I had film professors begging me to take their classes because they knew I'd get A's. I yes. said, no, I'm not here for that. I'm here to work on my writing. I ended up doing only writing and literary courses, philosophy courses. I did heavy mathematics because I just – I sucked. I couldn't even calculate tip. I was bad at math, the main oh, education right. system. Uh, they undid a lot of damage in that regard. Yeah. Like I'm pretty out. damn good at it now. Yeah. I stayed away from film deliberately to focus on writing and literature. Yeah. And what you do? it helped enormously. I mean, my films changed for the better, in my opinion. They changed for the better when I went back to it afterward. I mean, I hear this all the time from agents and, and casting directors. If you want to be a good actor, write. Yeah. Understand. Learn. Because if you can why, understand, why like, if you're given a terrible scene, which I'll probably be the one to give you, because <laughs> I write quick and I don't edit, but... If you're given a terrible scene and you can immediately understand what's wrong with it, you'll immediately be able to improve upon it without having the writers or directors realize what you did. It'll just work. And then when they give that scene to someone else who doesn't know what to do with it, they're going to go – they're going to do what – okay, so I went to the Vancouver Film School, which is a shithole of a school to go to. And I remember rooming with one of the acting students there. They were taking the acting program. I was taking the film foundation program. Sure. And his first day, they said that if a scene's not working, it's because it's written badly and you should just blame the screenwriter. That was their day one lesson. That's a uh, terrible advice. Terrible advice. I don't see a lot of actors from that school making it anyway. I'm going to say uh, that. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to make it. But if you can learn to write and learn what's wrong with that scene... You don't necessarily need to change the scene. You just will know how to reinterpret it so that it does work. At the very least. Great actors make all dialogue work to a certain yes. degree. It's not, I'm not saying it's 100% foolproof, but you can get close, right? 89% of the time, you can make it work. If you understand what's going on. 
and that's the that's why it's important to to get your writing get your writing down yeah. yeah be a writer i mean that's i mean yeah that's a writing first you know understand why this character is saying this to another character what's the intention you know what's the overall objective just knowing small things <laughs> will make you understand relate yourself as a good actor like you can you become a good actor by understanding writing you know i'll occasionally meet these actors in new york Usually, in the context of going to film festivals, I'll meet actors who they're always taking acting classes. They're always in some sort of acting workshop. Oh yeah, and I and I'll ask them like, "Have you considered taking classes in anything other than this?" Because it seems like you are always taking no. acting shop workshops. I'm in a two year program. <laughs> and no yeah, way. that's the thing is is they no the answer is always no. I'm they start with one person and then they finish that person's course. Then they'll go to Ripley Greer, rip down the the pamphlet to the next one, call the guy up and schedule their next. And it was always at different acting techniques, which is, I guess it's fine, but they're not mixing it up. And they should absolutely be mixing it up with writing at the very least and other craft too. I'm an advocate for multimedia art knowledge. It's very difficult to find two writers that are the same. Yeah. It's almost extremely impossible. So if you can't interpret, it's, you've lost a lot. And one thing I've realized from being in, in this and being at film festivals, it's about making people remember who you are. Yeah. It's about getting it. people to remember you when things come up. Oh, what about that guy we met on that other show? Yeah. That'd be perfect for that. And if you don't um, take the initiative to, to – to, if you don't take that route, you're always going to be disappointed by – well, not you because right. you're, you're yeah. well-rounded mentally, but yeah. other people are going to be disappointed by the fact that you got cut from this show or that movie okay. or whatever. I mean, it happens. You go there, you know your lines, you do your work, you're prepared, you network, you have fun, and that's it. You go to your next job. And whatever else happens, happens. Yeah. Whatever else happens, happens. That's it. That's really the business, right? You only control. You're there. You can't control. You're not the editor. You're not going to do anything else. You do your job. Do the best. Do the best you can do, and that's it. You can control. You can. You absolutely can control whether or not the right people remember you and how they remember yeah. you. True. Um, anyway, uh, that's that's our show for today. Uh, thanks, Tracy. Well, man, I appreciate it. Thank you. And I'll see you next time. And we'll be. Uh, give an update on the next project eventually. Yeah, well, we're gonna do we're gonna do a project. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna develop it over the holidays, and then yeah, we're yeah. gonna social media the shit out of it while we're doing it. Right. And uh, pump, pump, pump. Hustle. Yep. Hustle. Number one rule: can't knock the hustle. I'm not sure who came up with that, but I like it. Right, have a good night. All right, buddy. See you, man. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you have a moment, please consider subscribing to the show wherever you listen. And if the app allows for it, please leave a rating and review. That way, the algorithm moves us up in recommendations. It's a great way for new listeners to find our show. Thanks, and I'll see you on the next episode.